2000 years later. Hello, world. This is Chris Abalo's podcast experiment, and I am Chris Abalo. Welcome to the show. Thank you for subscribing, for sharing, for following the show on Twitter and Instagram at Kate Pod, for giving the show five stars on the podcast app of your choice, and of course, supporting the show on Patreon. I thank you very much for that, and more on Patreon a little bit later. But first, it's been a year since lockdown started here in New Jersey and in a couple of parts of the country, and a year since this show started up again. Okay, technically it will be next week, but at this point it's been 52-ish weeks. So I figured why not kind of reflect on the last year and take a look at the, the silver linings, because yes, the pandemic sucks, there's no doubt about that, but there have been silver linings, there are things that we're seeing that are positives and Listen, I can't separate the fact that if it wasn't for lockdown, that wouldn't have been the final push for me to start doing CAPE again, even though I'd planned to do it earlier. I know I already went through this in previous episodes, but uh, if I wasn't sick with whatever it was I had at the beginning of 2020, I probably would have started CAPE at like the end of January, beginning of February. But as it turned out, I started it the first day of lockdown here on March 16th of last year. So I thought I'd just share a few thoughts, and do a show with me just talking to you. It's just me this week. That means it's probably going to be a short show, which would be a nice balance to the extra long episode I did last week, which was great, and I got a lot of positive feedback on that. So thank you all for for listening and subscribing. And some of you may very well be new to the show because you tuned in for the first time because of my interview with the great Ming Chen. So welcome. Thank you for checking out the show. I hope you enjoy it and you stick around for a while because we're going to have fun. And this show is a little bit out of the norm, just me sitting here talking directly to you without any guests, without, you know, a group of friends to to talk to, without somebody to interview. That's mostly the norm. Frankly, I haven't done a show like this since Cape 130 back in August. It's been over six months since I've just sat and done a solo show, which isn't really my preference. I've done a, a bunch of them in the past, but I'd rather kind of bounce my thoughts off of somebody else. Look, that's why every show has a co-host, right? Most hosts have somebody to bounce their thoughts off of, so that's basically what I prefer to do. I'd rather have a chat with somebody else, but on this occasion, I thought, you know what, I should probably sit and do a show by myself because we're in an interesting place being a year into this, and that's also how this run of the show started. And uh, just to clarify, for those of you who are new, because we're approaching eight years since Cape started, well, if it's eight years, how come there's only 157 episodes? Well, Let me give a quick breakdown of that, because I'm not going to assume everyone listening was into the show at the beginning. (laughs) That's just unrealistic, in part because it's been so many years, and I can't imagine anybody went back to show one and listened to all of them straight through. I mean, I'd be flattered if they did, but I'm not really expecting that from most people. So the show basically started as a supplement to the only podcast that matters, which I was doing with my friends back here in New Jersey when I was living in California. Uh, To make that kind of long story short, I left 
New Jersey to go to California in the fall of 2012, and I was home a few days before Christmas in 2012. I left in September, came home in December, and I hadn't done any podcasts, obviously, while I was out there. So when I came back and we did a bunch of shows before I ended up moving back there permanently for the the following almost six years, I wasn't as loose as I wanted to be in the shows I did when I came back. It took me a few to kind of get the, the rhythm back and to get comfortable again after not doing it for three months following two years of doing it on a regular basis. There may be the odd week or two where I wouldn't have been part of a show that was on or we were using a bank show or something like that. But to go three months, I definitely felt a little more stiff. And that's how I sounded a year ago when I started doing the show again, uh, in part because of it, it took a little bit of time, I feel like, to loosen up and, and find the rhythm and shake the dust off. But at the same time, it was there was a lot of uncertainty a year ago, whereas now, uh, thankfully, we're in a better place. I decided I was going to do a show on my own in California, and it was going to be mostly me talking to nobody. No, that wasn't the point. (laughs) Even though that's how it ended up going for a while, that really wasn't the intention. It was just for me to talk to you directly, to the listener, and just kind of rant about stuff for a half hour, 40 minutes, an hour, or whatever. And a lot of those shows for the run of the first 30 episodes, that's what it was. I was only doing the show every other week because I wanted something to work on. I wanted to stay sharp, and because I was still visiting Jersey about twice a year, I wanted the times when we recorded the only podcast that matters, we kind of bulk record them and then spread them out so that I had a presence on the show in between my visits. So it was a way of keeping myself in shape, and my aspiration kind of in the beginning was it'd be cool to talk to the show business working class. Let me talk to other people who are just trying to make a living at this. Not people who want to be stars, not the people who come out there with stars in their eyes and expect as soon as they step off the bus, they're going to, you know, the party can begin. Celebrity is mine for the taking. Not those people, just kind of the working schmoes, which is essentially what I was while I was living out there for a large part. So I did that for about a year and a half. Actually, I guess it would be a little bit less. It was just over a year. And then around May of 2014, we decided we were going to wrap up the only podcast that matters. And we did. Didn't think it was going to be forever. I thought it would be for more than just a year. We basically just ended up not doing anything in 2015. But at the time, we said, okay, this is no longer what we want it to be. We can't agree on what we want it to be. Let's just put the show to bed. And if we revisit it down the line, which I thought was inevitable, then that's fine. But for now, let's call it quits. Well, since Cape was supposed to be kind of the side project, something I was doing for fun, I thought, I don't know what I want to do now because I don't just I wasn't compelled to sit in my apartment and just talk into a microphone by myself. And I didn't have such a a circle of people at that time that I thought, well, I could have a rotation of guests or whatever. And there wasn't Zoom where I could just talk to somebody from home like we've been doing for the last year. It was uh, it was a different time as everyone likes to say. But it really was. Uh, there wasn't the the access to technology where you could just interview anybody anywhere like we've kind of gotten used to in light of the pandemic. So I said, let me kind of reassess what I want to do if I want to continue podcasting because the point of getting into it in the first place was I wanted to do a show with my friends. And if I wasn't doing a show with my friends anymore, I didn't know really what I wanted to do. So I put the show to bed after 30 episodes. It was about three months later when, and I did tell this story kind of briefly in, in last week's show, but again, I'm assuming people don't necessarily know. I had uh, met somebody. Uh, she had told me that she was doing this podcast 
at a studio in downtown LA. That studio was Skid Row Studios. There was a video setup. They had three cameras, and they would obviously record the audio. You could book the place for the hour. They didn't want you to be part of the network. They didn't want, I mean, they'd help you distribute the show and get everything set up from a technological standpoint. But it was really appealing to me to do a show for an hour live, number one, because with the only podcast, we'd always had the safety net of editing and we needed it because aside from just distractions and whatnot, we would get off on tangents and stuff would happen. And hence, that's why we did outtake shows twice a year. It would take a while to get started or something would happen in the middle of the show that would interrupt the flow of things. So editing was a, a big part of it. And I was doing the, the overwhelming majority of the show editing. So the idea of not having to do anything except show up and host, that really appealed to me. And I said, I wonder if I could do an hour live. It will look great. It'll sound great. And I could keep using this medium. I could keep doing something creative with this because I did still enjoy doing it. I just didn't know how I was going to do it. That was kind of where I ran into trouble. But the prospect of doing a one-hour live show, ah, now that's a format that's something new and different for me where I can kind of flex my muscles a little bit and stretch and grow. I thought that was going to be an important part of this. So starting at the beginning of, I'm sorry, not the first episode of 2015. That's right. The first episode of 2015, uh, Cape 31, was down in my apartment with my sister. We recapped our attendance in the, uh, the final Late Late Show with Craig Ferguson because that was a big deal and we were big fans of that show. And we thought, you know what, this is kind of a unique experience. That show is a big audience. It might be interesting to give the perspective of people who were there for that final episode. So we actually did the first episode of 2015 at my apartment and then starting with the next one, Cape 32. We were at Skid Row Studios for the next nine months. Well, through October. Unfortunately, as uh, spoken about a little bit in last week's show, downtown LA was being gentrified and turning into an upscale area. And yeah, Skid Row Studios was two blocks up from Skid Row in LA. And that whole area was undergoing this transformation and a lot of buildings were getting sold and refurbished and it was turned into an upscale Manhattan wannabe. Honestly, that's what it was. And that's kind of what it's become. Granted, I haven't been there since I left Los Angeles in November of 2018, but that's the way it was going. I just generally got the vibe that they wanted this hip downtown metropolitan area for downtown LA. And that's kind of what it's become. Literally a block over from the building that used to house Skid Row Studios, the suite where Skid Row Studios existed, there's now a Whole Foods with an upscale apartment building above it. And there was nothing there. <laughs> we were going there in 2015. Even the notion of going downtown, I thought, I wonder if anybody's going to do this. And a few people were kind of reluctant and saying, downtown, really? And obviously the name Skid Row Studios gave a few people pause. Uh, not so much that I don't think anybody refused to go down there. <laughs> Not that I remember anyway. Maybe I blocked it out. But it was a fun time. That's kind of what I'm getting to. And uh, unfortunately, there were a lot of plans that weren't fulfilled during that time because the building was sold. The owner said he wasn't going to keep the the lease because it was going to triple. <laughs> the cost of the, the place was going to triple. And he couldn't justify keeping the studio. So in September, he said the studio was going to close in mid-October. I decided to go and bank a bunch of shows. So that way I had shows done there through October. And then starting in November, did the show from home. And then uh, a bunch of things happened at the beginning of 2016. Most notably, my father had triple bypass surgery. So I came back to California from New Jersey 
at the beginning of January because I would be home every year for Christmas and New Year's. And it was about two weeks later when I get the call from my mother saying, your father's, uh, he was going to have a catheterization. They need to do a bypass. So yeah, that's the story. And I just immediately said, okay, I'm coming home. I'll go home and I'll be there for as long as you need me. Ended up being home for about seven weeks. And at that point, since I was essentially taking care of my parents and looking after them, that was the, the primary goal. And I, I knew I had the means of doing the show because I, I don't remember if I packed my equipment up or not, but I knew we still had the podcasting gear that the only podcast I'd collected. And uh, I said, you know what? I can do shows from there. Let me just back it up to every other week again, because this can't be my weekly focus. There's, there were a lot of follow-up appointments, and you know, my father was still in the hospital for about a week after the procedure. I don't remember exactly what it was, but I was taking care of all my parents' needs during those seven weeks, and I didn't think the show, it was necessary for the show to get in the way. As much as I enjoyed doing the show, it just wasn't as important. Actually, in that time, everybody was kind of motivated. The guys from the only podcast that matters, I should say, were motivated to participate in the show. Not that they wouldn't have anyway or not that they didn't enjoy it. But during that Christmas visit in 2015, we recorded the series of The Guide to Life, which, by the way, the only podcast that matters and the only podcast that matters presents The Guide to Life are available on all fine podcast applications. So go check those out. There's best ofs for The Only Podcast that Matters, four of them. So if you want to see what that was, there you go. And if you've been listening to the show, when my friends come on, that's exactly what that show was. This is kind of the evolved form of that show. Actually, we got new gear to record that because I kind of wanted to step up everything. And we agreed, like, if we're going to step back into this and we're doing this short form series, this limited series, as they now call them on like cable channels. So we're doing a limited series. <laughs> we're just going to do this 10 episode series and we're going to put this out there and that's going to be fun because we wanted to do something together but we knew a weekly show as we had tried doing it for those previous four years we knew that wasn't going to work and they were partly inspired by what i was doing with cape and that was a big step towards saying wow maybe we should get the band back together but anyway needless to say when it came to that run of the show not only had the show dropped from a weekly show to every other week but the format had changed and i understood that because the show in 2015 was a live show. It was one hour. It had a rotation of guests. All of that. So, well, I should say it had, it had regulars and then it had guests who came through and would just appear once and perform or plug whatever it is they were, they were doing. And then that was it. But that was the format of the show was a one hour talk radio show. And at the end of 2015, now it's just another guy doing a podcast in his apartment. So... I get that the format kind of changed and I started to see the download numbers go down. Then after the show dropped down to every other week, the numbers went down some more. And it was also just getting to the point where I thought, you know what, this is not kind of what I wanted it to be. Let me take a step back and reassess again, because I looked into other studios. They were way expensive, like $200 an hour. And the show was not generating money where that would have made sense. I certainly didn't have $800 a month that I could put towards doing a podcast because, yeah, LA's way expensive. So there's no way I could have spent almost my rent on doing the podcast. As much as I loved it, it would not have been worth it to me. That's when I kind of put this show to bed at Cape 100 in 2016. And I said, I will revisit this possibly next year, 
but we'll see. And then at the beginning of 2017, we kind of started another run of the only podcast that matters. And we did. We did 16 shows and it was great, but we couldn't agree on kind of what we were going to do and how we were going to do it after that. So we didn't continue the only podcast. And I kept saying, well, my priority is making sure that that launch goes well. Cape was always a side project, even though it became the primary but we're very encouraged by the reception we got from the Guide to Life. So we said, you know what, let's get back into doing this. And that's kind of where my focus was. Let me put my emphasis here because I really, really enjoy doing the show with, with the guys. So the idea was I was always going to pick up Cape again down the line. And a possibly just a couple of months later, I think it was August of 2016, was Cape 100. I didn't make a big deal out of it. I didn't say anything. I just kind of signed off with, uh, and this is only an experiment or has been an experiment or something like that. Some variation on my normal show closing. And I had the ideas for what I wanted to do. And I actually recorded at least two episodes that were going to be Cape 101 and Cape 102 at the beginning of 2017. But I didn't know where I was going to go from there. Once again, going back to California after my visit home, my holiday break, kind of actually those first two shows were kind of introspective. I was kind of reconnecting with home in, in a bigger way. Those will be released through the Patreon at some point. Uh, if people are curious, I don't know if you're interested. They were just recorded on my phone. That was kind of the idea. You know what? I'm gonna kind of going to strip this down and talk about what I want to talk about, not necessarily have a guest. I didn't really know what I was going to do, but those first, what would have been 101 and 102, were recorded on my phone and are sitting in the archive. I just haven't felt compelled to to put them out. And I didn't think that three years later it was a good idea to just, that would be your first <laughs> gateway into like here's the introduction to what the show was supposed to be even though it doesn't represent what the show is in 2020 that's where i was in 2017 but as a, as a time capsule it might be interesting to to put those out uh at least for like the patreon subscribers if you're interested in that kind of thing but i kind of kept putting it off and i didn't really know what i wanted to do if i started doing cape again but then when i moved back to jersey everybody's interested in participating again you know i'm hanging out with my friends again the guys from the only podcast who you know, our friendship came first, obviously. So I'd kind of said to them, look, I'm thinking about starting up the show again. Are you guys interested in participating? It's not going to be a weekly obligation. It's not going to be the only podcast that matters where it's going to be all of us working in a team all the time. It's not going to be that kind of pressure. But would you guys like to participate? You can come up to my apartment. We can record a show or two and it'll be fun. We'll be able to kind of uh, recapture that because we just had fun having these conversations with each other. And they agreed. Then I got really sick. Then we got locked down. And I said, well, this is the time. Literally that day, I said, I'm recording Cape and I'm going to do this twice a week because I knew at the beginning of lockdown, as soon as that was announced, I said, wow, my my brain is going to turn itself inside out if I don't have something to do, if I don't have something to work on, which is why I started doing the show every Monday and Friday. Figured a short show. Let me catch up with people. Let me see how they're handling quarantine and the pandemic and what's going on, even in other parts of the country. Let me reach out to some some friends, some family, and see what's doing. And that's kind of where it all began again. So that's where we are now. Except now it's just a weekly show every Monday, as opposed to two shorter shows on uh, Monday and Friday. They're usually like, you know, 30 to 45 minutes. Now it's like an hour and a half (laughs) once a week. So that's it. That's kind of the history of Cape. And a year later, it's been great. Everybody's gotten used to the, the Zoom interface. That's what every talk show has been using. That's what every radio show has been using when they've had guests on. We've all kind of gotten used to it. Every podcast as well. Everybody's using Zoom or some form of it. There's a lot of variations on that. But Zoom is kind of like the word 
it's like Google has become the word for searching online for something. Zoom is the word for having any kind of interaction or FaceTime. People refer to us like I'm going to FaceTime you or I was on a FaceTime. You know, there's that. But I feel like Zoom really rose to prominence in 2020. And that kind of became the verb for what we're doing and how we're communicating with each other remotely. And I got to say, it's been huge. Just the idea of this technology getting to a point where you can talk to anybody and everybody who has a, a webcam or, I mean, geez, I was even doing phoners at the beginning of this a year ago. Just I was calling people through my computer and just recording that. You know, that's how I was able to get these people to participate because not everybody had a webcam at the time. They've pretty much become essential in light of the pandemic. Um, I didn't even have a webcam. So that was another thing. If I wanted to talk to people on Zoom, I couldn't have done it anyway. It took me a while. I ended up buying my webcam that I used for the Cape Zooms, which started in June of 2020. I ended up buying it on eBay. Didn't pay that much more than what regular retail would have been, like 30 or 40 bucks more. But it was worth it just because I knew, okay, this is the next step in doing shows, particularly if I want to do a group show, which we did. Cape 118 reunited the only podcast that matters. And that kind of kicked off doing the shows on Zoom, and I feel like that was the next progression in the show. It was like, ah, we can look at each other's faces. This is so much better. And that summer, found out about a shared universe podcast studio, which you probably heard about if you listen to last week's show, and I'm going to assume you did. And we started doing the shows from there in the fall until you know the virus numbers kicked up again after Christmas and New Year's, which was to be expected considering they'd gone up after Thanksgiving. And I just kind of put it out there to everybody. Uh, we're going to do the shows remotely until at least everybody in this group is vaccinated, um, as well as the people at the studio, just for the sake of being safe. So at this point, the idea is uh, when everybody gets vaccinated, we'll be back in the studio on a weekly basis. There will still be the option of doing shows on Zoom, of course, and me doing shows remotely, uh, even one-on-one style interview shows. But it's been a fascinating progression and this is the most fun i've had since i started doing the show eight years ago it really is just because everyone's into it uh there are a bunch of people who i can always call on or reach out to or (laughs) literally i've called people or texted them on the day or the day before and said are you free to do a show the plans for such and such didn't play out i have a bunch of things we can talk about do you have anything to talk about related to such and such and we go from there And I love being at that point where, okay, I can just pull somebody off the bench if need be to do a show. Or people are bringing ideas to me. It's not like everything that happens on this show purely comes from me. My friends have brought a lot of ideas to the table. And I love it. I'm having a blast. So that's been one of the pluses over the last year. Um, Having said that, I haven't received a vaccine yet. I have a few people in my world who have, uh, aside from the essential workers in my circle, There are a couple of people who have gotten it. They were lucky enough to get appointments. I'm still working on it on a daily basis, so we'll see. Uh, Thankfully, we're at a point where the vaccine's in circulation. This past week, Johnson & Johnson's vaccine was approved. And apparently on Friday, I think this all happened literally just a couple of days ago, that CVS added like 100 more locations nationwide that are going to be providing, you know, vaccinations. And uh, the Johnson & Johnson vaccine had been approved, which is great because that's a one-shot. You don't need to have the first one and then come back a month later for your booster. So that's great. And apparently that already made its way to New York. The the Javits Center, the big convention center in the city, uh, they were apparently vaccinating people like crazy. Like you could just show up and get one. I can't do it because I'm not a resident of New York. So I'm out of luck. But the idea that this stuff is getting distributed, yeah, there's an end in sight. 
and not knowing, you know, a year ago when the idea was we're going to lock everything down for two weeks. I've said it before. I wasn't naive enough to think two weeks was going to do it. It takes two weeks for people to start showing symptoms. I mean, we learned that kind of quickly, but I didn't think it was going to be two weeks. I thought it might be two months. I said, we're going to be locked down probably for two months so that people aren't spreading this. But that was also in my mind, uh, I guess, uh, having an, an idealist thought process, which said, well, people are going to do what they need to do. People are going to come together by staying apart. No, but people are going to, they're going to stay away from each other. This is before the mask mandate. Obviously that kicked in at the beginning of April in New Jersey. People are going to stay home for a little bit. They're going to do what they have to do because people don't want to get this virus. They don't want to spread this virus. People don't want to catch it and give it to other people, potentially kill them. So this will be fine. Like by May, everything should be okay. And obviously it wasn't and it isn't. Over 500,000 dead in the United States. Countless. I mean, well, it's not countless. We know how many, but just loads more in other parts of the world. And there have been all these surges. The UK has had kind of consecutive lockdowns as well. It's it's a really tough situation. It's great knowing that there's an end in sight. And uh, look, obviously the vaccine isn't the the cure all. <laughs> ironically, no. But the idea is that the vaccine has eliminated death and hospitalization for people who've received it. It does minimize the symptoms if you get COVID nineteen, but you can still spread it to other people. So it's not something that's just going to go away because we have the vaccine. It's something we kind of need to reassess. But just even to get there is huge. The idea that the hospitals aren't going to be overrun and, you know, medical staff isn't going to be taxed and experiencing all this. That's one of the frightening things about what's going on now is I'm thinking about all these doctors and nurses and people who work in these hospitals who are going to have this PTSD in the future because they've had to see so much for such a long period of time. There's no way you cannot have it affect you. So it's one of the things it's one of the long term effects of this virus and this pandemic that's really really concerning sorry you came here looking for laughs right you thought this was going to be a funny show (laughs) i'm sorry to let you down uh but anyway the idea that now with the vaccines being distributed with there being a, a lesser impact on people if they get the virus which at this point seems i don't want to say it's inevitable that everybody's going to get it but it's not just going to go away either that's pretty clear But the idea of, you know, in the next four to six months, things could start getting back to some semblance of normal. Things can open up. Gatherings can happen. People can feel safe because that's anxiety people are feeling right now. And honestly, it's it's been crossing my mind a lot. Are you going to feel comfortable being around other people going out in public? Uh, Someone I know who drove their their partner to get the vaccine, uh, the, the second dose, just the idea of going to a place where there was that big of a crowd, even though everybody, you know, masks were required, everybody was six feet apart. Just the idea of being around that many people did spook this couple. And I kind of understand it because we're so used to the idea of staying away from each other and unfortunately kind of fearing each other as far as is somebody going to give me the virus? I hope they don't have the virus. You know, that paranoia that has kind of come with that, the, the caution everybody's taking. So it's going to take a while for everybody to be comfortable being in groups and being in public and being unmasked. And it's it's going to take a while to get completely out of this. But just the idea that we're now closer to that, that that seems within reach, is a huge relief. So grateful to be in this place a year later. Sorry it took a year. Um, thankfully, the, the vaccine was able to be developed and become this effective in a short amount of time not going to get into the weeds about how people feel about that because people have all sorts of opinions 
I'm okay with it, considering technology plays a huge role in developing medicines and vaccines. And looking how far we've gotten technologically in the last couple of years, yeah, I believe that that's completely possible, that something could be developed, especially when there was a, a basis for it with the, the SARS vaccine and, and all these other things. It's not like they had to start from zero with this. Anyway, here we are, quarantining to a degree. I'm trying to minimize how much I'm going out. I'm interacting very, very little socially. I'm still masked 100% of the time when I'm around my parents because I'm still helping them because, you know, at their age, in their 70s, they shouldn't be going anywhere unless it's absolutely necessary. So, And that's per their doctors. So I, I take that suggestion very, very seriously. But I'm grateful to be at this point, and I'm grateful to be doing the show and to be this enthused and be having this much fun doing the show. Unfortunately, it took the pandemic for, you know, a lot of things to change, and there has to be a silver lining. It can't all be bad. And obviously, my heart goes out to you if if you've lost somebody to COVID-19 and if you, you know, you know somebody who contracted the virus and was able to survive it but is having long-term issues or, or issues with, you know, their, their organs or things like that. There are a lot of things we're seeing where there are longer-term effects of people who have caught the virus, gotten over it, but it's done some damage. Um, obviously, my heart goes out to you. I'm not comparing me doing a dopey podcast in any way to how it was worth it because of this, this virus, this pandemic. Obviously, it's not. I can't compare the two things, but we can't look at everything Regardless of where you are on that spectrum of of suffering or happiness, we can't look at it as this was all horrible. No good came out of it. This sucks. That you wouldn't get out of bed in the morning. <laughs> That's just my perspective. So I'm grateful to be here to be doing this show. I'm grateful you're listening. I'm grateful for the audience that's grown over this last year. I'm grateful to everybody who's participated. I can name them all, but it would take forever. And the point is, this was supposed to be a bit of a shorter show. All right. Moving on past all that, speaking of the point where we've gotten this point in time, I find this funny, but it's also, I think, a good thing. Because last week, in honor of the 35th anniversary of Metallica's Master Puppets album, they performed Battery on The Late Show with Stephen Colbert. That's kind of a big deal. And it's not that Metallica hasn't played late night shows. It's not that metal bands haven't, although not a lot. But a band like Metallica doing a late night show and doing a thrash song, yeah, is kind of a big deal. And I realize that the, the late night show is not really the, the same as it was. It, the idea of watching something late night or, or someone appearing on a late night show, it's not the same because most people are checking that out on YouTube the next day anyway. Some people are watching it live. Some people are watching it on demand later. But all that stuff ends up on YouTube. So the idea that you can get a guest like Metallica, it does mean you're going to get a lot of clicks because people who aren't watching the show as it's being broadcast, which is almost every show except for sports, they know they're going to get clicks. They know they're going to get views because here's something unique. But the idea that we've gotten to this point where a thrash metal album's 35th anniversary is being celebrated on a late night show, that's cool. That Listen, that does say something good about where we are. And uh, that's also a certain generation getting to an age where, yeah, we should have this band on. This band is important and people want to see them. You can't just have, you know, it can't just be a rotation of pop artists. It needs to be a lot more diverse and interesting than that. So I thought that was kind of cool. By the way, the title of this show seems appropriate because here we are basically a year later talking about the pandemic after lockdown, after this virus was taken very very seriously 
So the idea of 52 weeks later was, yeah, that's a good idea, but it's kind of coincidental and uh, was partly influenced by the fact that over the weekend, I watched 28 weeks later for the first time <laughs> during the course of the pandemic, like a lot of people, of course, watched Contagion. And then a couple months ago, watched 28 Days Later, which is great, which I saw in the theater and then had watched when I bought it on DVD and haven't seen it probably since like 2003. Always wanted to see the sequel. Never did. Just kind of forgot about it. And even with the pandemic going on and even having watched 28 Days Later, it was something where I thought, oh, yeah, yeah, let's I, I got to watch that that sequel. Never seen it. Kind of forgot about it until browsing Hulu the other day. I believe it's on Hulu. And like, oh, 28 weeks later. You know what? Never seen it. Let's watch it. Sorry to say I shut it off an hour in. <laughs> and I don't want to get into spoiler territory, even though if you haven't seen a movie from 14 years ago and don't want it to be spoiled, I don't think you're going to get around to it, frankly. If someone spoiled this movie for me, can't say I would have been mad about it because, come on, enough time has passed. But... I just completely lost interest in that movie because, not to get too into detail, but the two kids who are essentially responsible for helping to spread this virus again continue to survive, and I'm sure they were going to survive at the end of the movie just because they are kids. Meanwhile, everybody along the way is dying. And I thought, these two kids are just idiots who keep doing idiotic things along the way. I just said, they're the only ones who are going to make it to the end of this movie. Everybody else is going to be turned or get bitten or die or whatever. This... I, I just can't get behind this. So yeah, an hour in, I just shut it off. I said, forget it. I, I'm I'm not even enjoying this fun zombie romp, <laughs> which it just wasn't. It wasn't fun. It just kind of bored me. I just checked out at a point and decided to switch over to the new SpongeBob movie, which is great. And listen, I'm a giant child. That's why I switched over to SpongeBob. No, but I kind of wanted to see that anyway, because that was one of those many movies that got delayed. It was supposed to come out last August. And now finally made its way over here. It's been playing in Europe on Netflix. And the hope was that it would show up on Netflix here, but not so much. Because Paramount Plus launched. That was CBS All Access. Now it's Paramount Plus. And uh, that just launched on Thursday, I believe. And like everybody, I said, well, there's a free trial. Let me check it out. And knowing the SpongeBob movie was included, I said, hey, why not? And that makes sense. Paramount Plus is, I believe, 10 bucks a month. And I think there's a, a plan with limited commercials that's about six bucks a month this isn't sponsored by the way it's just how i was looking at the situation you can rent the spongebob movie for 20 bucks or aside from the one week free trial you can just get paramount plus for a month watch as much as you want and watch the spongebob movie and you're paying half the price instead of a 48 hour rental you get a whole 30 days of movies and tv shows why wouldn't you just do that i don't know i do laugh though there there's this mentality that's been going on in the last couple of years, as long as everybody's tried to become the next Netflix, and we all know it, there's been Disney Plus and HBO Max and Paramount Plus, obviously, and CBS All Access before that, and Peacock. You know, there, there are all these different services that have popped up because everybody wants to get into the streaming game. Everybody wants to be as successful as Netflix was when they were the only game in town. But I find it funny how the reaction is always. Oh, can you believe it? They're launching another stream. How many streaming services do they expect us to sign up for? None. You don't need to sign up for any of them. That's the funny part. If you're overwhelmed by it or you're tired of paying for however many subscriptions a month, don't sign up. It's fine. That means you're not going to get to watch the original content, the, the shows and the movies that are on there. But, oh well. Frankly, it's not that different from cable at this point. You know, people complain about cable being 80 or or $100 a month for their cable package. But when you add up all your streaming services, if you're paying for all of them, it's probably going to be about the same amount. 
altogether. And yeah, the convenience of watching things in the original programming and all that, you're probably going to, you're probably more dedicated to stuff that's available on the streaming platforms than most of what's on cable. I mean, if you have 800 channels, you're probably not watching something on even 10% of those. So you're, you're probably more invested in what's going on on these streaming services. Also because they have, those are the shows that have the momentum. Let's be honest. People are watching Mandalorian and they're watching WandaVision and Handmaid's Tale, whatever. And if you're going to watch those, you have to subscribe. What a surprise. It's the same way if you want to watch The Sopranos, you had to subscribe to HBO back in the day. If you want to watch Dexter, you had to have Showtime. It's no different now. It's not that you have to subscribe to these services. You just have to do it if you want to watch the shows or if you want to be part of the conversation. That's why a lot of people do it, honestly. I don't think I ever told this story. This was a couple of years ago. I picked up three dudes while I was driving Uber out in Los Angeles, and they were talking about, I don't remember if it was a day or two after, if it was like Monday or Tuesday, because Game of Thrones aired on Sunday, or if it was Friday night, Saturday night, they were talking about the upcoming episode. But the two of the guys started talking about it and said, oh, wait, are, are you watching Game of Thrones? Because like, I don't want to spoil it for you. And I said, no, I've, I've never seen a single episode of Game of Thrones, which, by the way, is still true now. I've never seen an episode of the show. Sure, it's great. I know people love it, except for the last season. It's another one of those hate on the ending because it's not what I expected. But I, I had no expectations because I never watched the show. Uh, these guys were talking about it. And I said, I've never seen it. And they said, oh, I can't believe it. You're not into it. Oh, you, you got to watch it. And I said, it just doesn't appeal to me. I said, the only reason I'd watch it is the reason a lot of people watch it, because I believe half the people who watch Game of Thrones watch it because of the other half, because they know so many people are watching it. and They want to be part of the conversation. And the third guy who was in the car said, dude, that's exactly why I watch the show. He's like, I can't follow everything. I don't know the names of these characters. They all have weird names. But he said, I know everyone's going to be talking about it. And yeah, I want to be in on the conversation. I don't want to be left out. And I get it. And that's how people feel about a lot of these streaming shows. Everyone's been talking about WandaVision for the last two months. And it's the same with Handmaid's Tale or, you know, take your pick. I know there's original shows on everything, but uh, yeah. Let's get back to the SpongeBob movie, though, because that was great. I thought that could end up being okay just because I thought anytime it's a property like a TV show that's turned into a movie... You think, is this just going to be a really long episode? Is it going to feel like 30 minutes stretched out to 90 minutes unnecessarily? And the idea that Keanu Reeves was in it was great, which, no spoilers or anything, I highly recommend it. Get the one-week Paramount Plus free trial and watch SpongeBob Sponge Out of Water because it is fun. I was afraid Keanu Reeves was only going to have... He's in the trailer, so I'm not spoiling anything. He's just... Sage is the name of his character who is in a tumbleweed. I thought he was just going to show up once and that was going to be it. He's actually in more of it than I expected. He's in a lot of it. He keeps showing up, which is good because I was afraid, oh, it's going to be kind of a cheap cameo and everyone's going to be like, hey, Keanu's in SpongeBob. All right, look at that. It's it's Ted. It's John Wick. It's Neo. Awesome. And that's it. But he was actually in it a lot more and he was really funny. The movie was a lot of fun. I enjoyed it. I, I love the, the second one, the last one they did. Oh, I'm sorry. I messed up. I'm sorry, the last movie was Sponge Out of Water. This is Sponge on the Run. My mistake. This new SpongeBob movie is SpongeBob SquarePants Sponge on the Run. That's the one you need to watch. Although, Sponge Out of Water is great, too. I feel like that was the best movie because it played up on the the superhero stuff that's kind of going on now. It felt appropriate that that's where this went. And the live-action animation blending stuff I thought was a lot of fun. There was a lot of that in this movie, too. Not too much, but there was a bit of it. Let me put it that way. But a lot of fun. The only thing I wasn't crazy about was it, it did feel forced when they had these flashback scenes to when the characters were kids, not giving anything away. But it was a clear 
advertisement for the Paramount Plus series Camp Coral, which is where all the SpongeBob characters are kids at camp, which I know some super devoted fans are mad about because those aren't the origins of how everybody ended up meeting and getting together. And some of the ages are off for some of the characters who appear younger than apparently the age gap in current day SpongeBob, I guess is what you call it. I'm not really sure about all that. But yeah, there were a few flashbacks to the characters as kids that felt very forced in there because we got a new show to promote. But otherwise, the movie was still a lot of fun. I really, really enjoyed that. So check that out. Check out SpongeBob Sponge on the Run. Anyway, that's about it. You've got a brief history of Cape. Talked a little bit about the pandemic, where we're at. Talked about a few things that were cool. And uh, just to wrap up quickly, if you're interested in supporting the show on Patreon, you can for as little as $2 a month. There's going to be a lot more coming your way. And to be honest, I haven't been as good about posting stuff on there as I should be. There was a lot of stuff to organize. It is organized, and I kind of need to play catch-up. So the idea is the $2 tier is basically the tip jar tier where you are going to have access to the feed, which means if there's any news or anything cool, it's not to say there won't be maybe video or audio posted that is available to you, but it's going to be just updates and, and different things like that. And it's also just to throw 2 bucks a month to say, like what you're doing, keep doing it. You're not necessarily interested in some extra content, and that's fine. And then the $5 and $10 tiers have a lot more exclusives, including both of those tiers include bonus audio, and the $10 tier also has bonus video. Now, the bonus audio, just to clarify, and I'm going to do a video to throw up on the Patreon because I probably should have done that, but frankly, I've been learning it for the last two months since I've launched it, and there's more and more to learn and understand, and... I should have been studying it for months before even launching, to be honest with you. But I, I honestly want to make it uh, the, the best possible experience for those of you who want to support the show. But the audio is going to be on almost a weekly basis. Can't guarantee it's every week because it's only going to be if there is something worth sharing. But uh, it's going to be the pre-show and post-show because normally, especially with the Zoom shows now, although there were a few that happened in studio, at least certainly some pre-show, there's always some banter and some back and forth before we actually get started and then after the show's over there's usually a little bit more so that's going to be mostly weekly bonus audio can't guarantee it's going to be every week particularly if i'm doing a one-on-one with somebody depending on who it is i'm not necessarily going to just take whatever it is we talked about beforehand and whatever we said afterwards and just put it out there just so you have something and especially i don't want to let them know like look as long as this is recording it's all fair game got it <laughs> It doesn't matter. The show doesn't just start when I say hello world. It starts when you sign into the Zoom meeting. I don't want to do that to people. Uh, but there's the pre and post show. There uh, will be bonus episodes that are done every month for uh, audio and video equivalents of those, depending on your level of support. And I was toying with the idea of doing like a, not really a wrap-up show, but kind of like a post-show thoughts kind of thing. Because I did have a few thoughts after the show last week with Ming, that I thought, you know what, maybe I should mention a couple of things, having done the show, and think about maybe some things that we didn't get to, or how the show came about, or whatever it is. Just something short, maybe like 10 minutes, but that's something I'm thinking I'm going to start doing. So that'll, that could very well be a weekly fixture too. So if you're interested in getting in on that $5 tier, there's more stuff to give you. And uh, there's going to be some more nerdy talk on there, because... Not everyone's necessarily going to be interested in the nerdy conversations about movies or TV shows or whatever. I mean, certain things do warrant it, yes. Like when the Wonder Woman movie came out and everybody's watching it and everybody's talking about it, even though two weeks after everybody was talking about it was when we did the episode. But regardless, 
unless there's something like that, if you want to know thoughts on WandaVision, like that, that bonus stuff is up there because there was a post-show discussion about it. And then that was the February bonus show was our thoughts on uh, WandaVision up to that point and what to expect from the last two episodes. That was myself and Jack and Dan. And we thought that would be fun to give you something extra also to kind of put our theories out there to see if we were right or wrong. Uh, we were mostly wrong, <laughs> but it's interesting to hear the discussion and what we were assuming based on the buildup for those first seven episodes. So there's going to be a lot more stuff coming. Um, I apologize if it looks like there's not nearly enough stuff on there because there isn't. And I'm going to be putting it all up there. So there's going to be very frequent posts <laughs> just to play some catch up from at least the beginning of the year. That's where the the post show and pre-show stuff is going to start going out, particularly from the first episode of the year, the first one we did in January. There was a nice long pre-show that was pretty funny. Before I even signed into the meeting, there was a lot of funny discussion going on. So that's going to be up soon. So I hope you'll enjoy that. I hope you'll support that. And, of course, if you're interested in more shenanigans, you can follow the show on Twitter and Instagram at Pod. You can follow me on Twitter at Chris Abalo and on Instagram at ChrisSellsOut. And you can find all the links at chrisabalo.com for everything, including the shows and there's blogs and all sorts of other stuff, if you're interested in that. And uh, the YouTube channel as well, which is Half-Assed Media. That's probably not going to show up if you search it because the word ass is in it. But you can search Chris Abalo's podcast experiment on YouTube and it'll bring you to a bunch of clips. Those are going to be going up more often. There's probably going to be two video clips a week. And of course, the full video episodes will be available if you are a Patreon subscriber. So that is uh, there's a bunch of stuff that you can get in on and i hope you're enjoying it and we welcome the feedback as well you can send a dm leave a comment whatever if there's stuff you want to see more of in particular let us know because we're willing to give you more of what you're into because this is fun for us either way so feel free to speak up and thank you for listening today so until next time which will be next monday make sure you're subscribed this is chris apollo and this was yet another experiment Later, in the void.